Welcome to the Bean Pod, a podcast about decentralized finance and the Beanstalk protocol. I'm your host, Rex. Before we get started, we always want to remind everyone that on this podcast, we are very optimistic about decentralized finance in general and Beanstalk in particular. With that being said, three things. First, always do your own research before you invest in anything, especially what we talk about here on the show. Second, while you're doing that research, try to find as many well-developed opposing viewpoints as possible to get the best overall picture. And third, never ever invest money that you can't afford to lose or at least be without for a while. And with that, on with the show. One of the most controversial terms in crypto right now is speculation. To some, speculation is the draw. It's the opportunity to be on the cutting edge of technology, the opportunity to develop new businesses and new ways of doing business, and certainly the opportunity to become wealthy. Now, all that being said, speculation isn't a foundation on which to build future economies. The risk and reward propositions that draw many of the bravest souls are not the same ones that will bring the average individual looking to grow their retirement fund. And similarly, Speculative tokens, no matter how well advertised or influencer endorsed, aren't going to be what brings mainstream businesses into the crypto space. The name of the future game is, and indeed has to be, utility. Rather than asking, can this concept make people rich, founders instead need to be asking, can this concept compete with, and indeed outperform, current ways of doing business? Speculation is often hollow, utility is what drives the future. For our project, Beanstalk's utility comes in the form of positive carry. The topic for this episode, Fluidity Money, is looking to improve transactional environments by giving random users rewards that can potentially far outweigh the costs of using their system. To tell us more, Mod and I are sitting down with Shamir Chowdhury, a member of the Fluidity core team, to tell us more about what they're working on. Shamir, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Mod, welcome back. Happy to be here. All right, Shamir. So when I look through Fluidity's information, I mean, this project sounds to me like essentially like a blueprint for an entire economy that like has the goal of like getting people to actually use the tokens that they have as opposed to staking them or, or kind of sticking them away to earn yield. Is, is that a, an accurate understanding? Yeah, I mean, that's quite the assessment of what we're building. And, and I'll further, you know, go deeper into this. But one of the things that at Fluidity, you know, we claim the problem that we're solving is what we've called or coined the term the utility problem. And the utility problem is, you know, in a nutshell, the idea that incentive models in crypto are aligned towards speculation and holding on to crypto. Whereas if we want to make crypto an asset class where people use it, we actually have to come up with ideas of how to incentivize people to do so. And I think the idea is that people in crypto have just become accustomed to the fact that you need to have an incentive to do something. And so we're kind of creating that incentive layer, you know, and that's what we call it. To, for people to actually go ahead and utilize cryptocurrencies. Yeah, so tell me about that 
that incentive, if I'm understanding your information right, you know, there's, there's some type of like reward system where if I'm using fluidity, there's a chance that I could like, uh, you know, I hate to say like win some type of, I don't know, sweepstakes or something, but talk us through that, that reward system a little bit. It's very interesting. Yeah, sure. Um, interesting. You say sweepstakes because the original name of fluidity was going to be that. Um, actually, I was going to call it sweet steaks just to make it even more <laughs> nice. Better. But we realized that maybe it has a negative connotation, so we kind of like went away from that. That's that's actually why I hesitated to use the term because I felt like it had a negative connotation. Go on. Yeah. So I guess I'll explain the way it works, and then it'll kind of start piecing the puzzle together. So what happens is that people come onto our platform and. Eventually, it will be any cryptocurrency, but we're starting off with stable coins. And essentially, Fluidity is a wrapper. You give us one of, let's say, one USDC, and in return, you get one Fluid USDC. Now, what we do with that USDC is we lend it on a money market or some other yield strategy that it's extremely, extremely low risk. And that yield essentially goes into a price pool. And that price pool is where the yield or the prize money comes from. So when you've minted a fluid asset like fluid USDC, you're free to spend it wherever you'd like with you know one USDC worth of buying power. And let's say you buy $1 worth of ETH with it on chain, you every time you do a transaction, essentially you have a chance of winning money from this price pool. Now, the idea is that once you aggregate, you know, millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of users, then you create a very interesting system where people that are transacting can be earning anywhere from a couple of cents to millions of dollars as part of the transaction. So we went with the more, I guess, I guess I wouldn't say lottery like, but more, I guess, dynamic price system because it actually came from some, you know, interesting literature I read on slot machines and how they thought about price making prizes and, and a little bit of literature we read on just designing this model. So yeah, uh, it's actually, so what really what we came up with was the idea of how do we distribute yield that we've earned from all these deposits to people that are using it. That, I guess, algorithm or formula is like the novel uh, feature of Fluidity, really. Yeah, so if, if Mod and I are using Fluidity to, uh, I don't know, let's say that, let's say I'm, I'm, let's say I'm mowing Mod's lawn every weekend and you know mod says hey i'll i'll pay you in crypto and i'm like all right that sounds great and we use fluidity and he is taking his usdc and he's wrapping it into fluid usdc he's paying me every time he's paying me if i'm understanding what you're saying it sounds like he has an opportunity to win something from the prize pool and and would i as the receiver as well yeah so we when we were thinking about designing this we were thinking okay when everybody builds a new payment solution they're thinking you know the sender incentives right like what's why would the consumer use this but they never think about counterparty incentives so actually in fluidity's case you actually get 20 percent of the price that he won right so let's say he pays you 20 dollars to mow, nice. mow his lawn and wins a thousand bucks as a prize, you actually get $200 just for accepting that's a, that's it. That's right? a sweet tip. I, I, yeah. So the idea is, uh, let's say you're a merchant and you're getting, you know, 
hundreds or thousands of daily inbound transactions. Now, some of those guys will win money and you'll get 20% of that for just accepting fluid assets, right? So the idea there is we create those feedback loops where you know both sides of the transaction are in- incentivized, but it doesn't end at like just people themselves. We're thinking protocols and entire networks would you know be, I guess, incentivized from a system like this, right? So if you extrapolate this a little bit and think about per- at the protocol level, like a AMM or a DEX, right? If your counterparty is the protocol or the protocol smart contract, they actually earn money when you actually send them fluid assets and win, right? So this is a, a, an avenue for some protocols to actually start earning revenue without charging fees as well from those 20% counterparty incentives. We actually, um, I'll, deep into, I'll get into this a bit later as well, but we actually released an article where we guesstimated if Uniswap, you know, didn't enable a fee switch, but only 5% of the volume of Uniswap was through fluid assets, they'd actually earn more money from fluid assets than they would from enabling a fee switch. So it has some interesting implications, you know, at scale for a lot of protocols. They're looking to earn revenue. Yeah, that is really, really interesting. And if I, again, if I'm understanding what you're saying, I mean, really that also becomes a essentially a, a zero fee scenario for your users, correct? Well, that's where it gets a bit complex right the thing is that you know if you think about a system like this right you know there's a lot of incentive for two bots to come in and send transactions back and forth right if that's how they make money so we have to think about okay you know there needs to be like some sort of thing or a circuit breaker of of sorts that you know stops bots from attacking the system and what we've come up with is essentially what we call the optimistic solution. And it's a bit, I guess, misleading in terms of what people normally mean by optimistic. But the idea is that we made an assumption that, okay, there are normally gas fees attached to any form of transaction on chain. And if the gas fees cumulatively on average were more than the yield you'd get from using a fluid asset, then essentially, if your only intention is to spam transactions, you lose money. So what I mean by this is that, you know, if you do a thousand transactions and pay $5,000 in gas fees, and you're guaranteed by some sort of, I guess, upper limit to win less than 5,000, statistically, you would, you know, go bankrupt, right? So that's kind of what, like the idea with how we protect against bots. Gotcha. And hence, there is some upper limits that are part of the algorithm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's I mean that's a very interesting and you know now that you mention it I mean it, that is a it, it's a, an issue that makes sense to to address because it's I mean it would it would make sense that someone could let loose a you know a couple bots that just ring up transactions and and just keep you know hitting that lottery over and over and over again with tiny amounts. Yeah, so, and now it starts to seem a little bit counterintuitive because a lot of people might be thinking, okay, wait, every time I use a fluid asset, you know, I'm kind of losing money, which kind of makes sense from one, like, I guess, line of thinking. But the way we're thinking about it is, okay, if you do a swap on Uniswap and you pay $20 in gas fees, you wouldn't have done it if you didn't think you'd get at least $20 worth of value out of doing that transaction, right? So using a fluid asset and let's say you get, on average, 
two dollars back or something you know it's still better than using whatever you were going to use right because you would have paid the same in gas fees so i guess in terms of you gas fees and any other fees don't don't exist in, by using fluid assets so it's kind of like the same and that's kind of the idea here is like okay you're technically expected value positive from using a fluid asset as long as your intention was to do a genuine transaction gotcha and so really the prize pool essentially offsets the cost that you are incurring by performing the transaction using a fluid asset hence your ability to circuit break yeah so on average that would be the case you'll get some sort of like yeah. kickback yeah. whereas but there will be some people right that are you know that are on the right side of the normal distribution curve that will win you know a lot more money than they sure. pay in gas fees and that's the part of the system where it's gamified where hey every time i do a transaction i could potentially win a million dollars under some circumstances mm -hmm. right and that's the fascinating idea here is that that probability that hey you could win it so it actually came from me reading this book about lotteries and casinos and and designing them and all like i guess the knowledge and literature behind it and and there's this i guess quote there or this comment made by the author and it and it, and it said something like you know people don't play the, the lottery for winning the prize they actually play it for hope it actually provides a service of hope and i think it's such a fascinating idea where you know you can that's why most people play it because they're stuck in i guess the endless rat race and they're like okay this could be my ticket out and just that you know i guess whatever it makes them feel is enough for them to keep continuing their purchases and and so that's why we kind of went with the more i guess like exponential price system with a tier based price system because we can kind of replicate that in in some manner without the parasitic part of like draining people's money gotcha so so tell me about the that tiered system cool so when when was when we had to come up with how do we distribute this money you know one way is that everybody gets an equal amount based on some sort of parameter the other was okay we can make it gamified that we have a tier system so we had our researcher his name's eric really really smart guy and you know he he was reading through some papers of this very i guess it was an old german um paper and it and it was about lottery design and and it was like you know and and we kind of read it and we extrapolated it and repurposed it for our our protocol and so it's i mean it's very simple and the idea that when you use a fluid asset, we have different tiers of prices, right? From like a couple of cents to a million dollars. And and the idea is that these are six tiers. So we're gonna start off with six tiers, but you can change that through governance. And essentially every time a transaction happens, the user in a sense picks six balls from like a you know, this I guess metamorph metaphorical pool of balls, right? You pick six balls, right? and the number of matches and we pick six balls and the number of matches you get is the tier of prizes you the, the tier you're in so if you get one one match between our balls you get you know one the the first tier of prize which is like five cents and then if you get two matches so on right so in our economics white paper on our website we kind of explain what this looks like 
So every time you do a transaction, what happens is that a table gets generated and that table has a probability and an associated payout for each of the tiers. And you can then see, okay, this is the probability of you winning five cents, the probability of you winning 15 cents and so on. So on average, 60 to 70% of the transactions will win something. So yeah, I mean, every other transaction, at least you will be getting some sort of prize, which is pretty, pretty cool in my opinion. Yeah, that's very cool. So you're still in development, is that correct? Or did you say that you're, you've are you you've launched on some test nets or where, where are you at in terms of the project development? So we, we've been on Robston and the Solana DevNet for you know six, seven months now, I think. And the plan is to launch on mainnet next month, you know, hoping the crypto market or Ethereum doesn't, you know, self-implode. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've been testing it for a while. We've had, you know, multiple, you know, thousands of people actually somehow test it. And yeah, millions of transactions going through the contract. So we have a lot of good data indicating that, hey, this thing actually seems to be working. Um, and yeah, so the idea now is to actually, you know, put it on mainnet and, and test it for what it is. That's awesome. So the transactions that you've had thus far, I mean, primarily are they like user to user or do you have any protocols or other, you know, larger organizations involved in some of so that, those early transactions? On, on Robston, we created a Uniswap and SushiSwap pool for people to actually, you know, use and swap fluid acetone. So that, that was pretty cool. And yeah, I mean, it was interesting to see the Uniswap pool winning prizes and stuff. So um, that's how it's on Robson. Um, so, you know, the right now what we're working on is getting more use cases and stuff happening. But I guess, you know, in the early days when we do launch, the first order use case would be like trading on DEXs. And, and you know, hopefully people realize, wait a second, if I trade using Fluid USDC to ETH instead of USDC, to ETH and vice versa, I could actually earn yield, you know, and and that's enough of an incentive to people to start thinking about changing how they transact. Shamir, if I'm understanding correctly, the prize money comes from staked assets, correct? Yeah. Uh, is there an incentive to stake? Because, because the prizes go to who spends the fluid assets, but those who are like staking, I guess the way we've thought about it is that liquidity comes naturally as a second order effect of the increased demand for utility. So, you know, a lot of times if let's say there's a lot of demand for, you know, spending these fluid assets, right. For them to exist, someone needs to mint them initially. Right. And, and that's kind of what we're thinking about is that we can bootstrap some of this liquidity ourselves and, and, you know, even reward people for it. But let's say there's a lot of demand for spending, you know, fluid USDC and there's not enough in circulation. What's going to happen is that the price of fluid USDC will go above a dollar and then you'll have arbitragers that will, you know, profit from that and hence spent a lot of fluid USDC to sell above, you know, the dollar parity. So we think that might be a way for us to kind of like just keep, you know, you know, get liquidity if there's a demand for that utility of that fluid asset. If that makes sense. Uh, and Shamir, I'm, I'm looking at your at the white paper and I see that you have, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, is this a governance token? 
uh, that has uh, an emission schedule? Yes. Uh, so is, is this uh, who who is uh, is the governance token distributed to, and is it distributed to those who are providing liquidity? No. So we've. Uh, oh, that's a good question. Okay. So as part of what we've built, right, we realized that wait a second, if we've created a system that allows for the fair distribution of yield, we can piggyback off of this, I guess you know, system or this foundation to distribute other things, right? And we realized that, hey, wait a second, we could distribute governance tokens to people for, you know, using fluid assets, right? And and that's how we are thinking about distributing most of our governance tokens is actually we've come up with a term called utility mining. And we see it as potentially an improvement on some parts of liquidity mining where, you know, for the very first time, your users of a protocol can earn governance tokens. And for them to earn these tokens, they have to actually do something with your protocol or your token itself, right? So the idea is when people use Fluid USDC on different, you know, decentralized exchanges, marketplaces, wherever on chain, they actually get a bonus, you know, payout in native tokens. The very same way yield provider or liquidity providers would. So just to confirm my understanding, the governance token is also distributed in a similar way to how the uh, pool price is. The more you use the fluid assets, you might get a chance to get some of the governance token. Yeah, so it's distributed in that fashion, yes. Um, and the way we, the reason we rationalized that was that, you know, I mean, what better way to distribute your own token in, than the, the thing that you've created? Because what we then realized is that we can go to protocols and help them distribute their tokens through the system that we've created. So an example I could give you is, uh, imagine you have an AMM, right? And this AMM wants to attract users, right? Normally what they would do is they would run some sort of liquidity mining program and get liquidity. Now the issue is that that doesn't necessarily mean a demand, an increased demand for their you know, trading volume nor does it mean that your actual community and users will be getting these tokens. So you have two, I guess, areas of disalignment with your community and, and your objectives, right? So the idea with utility mining is that if they rewarded the users for using you know, their, their exchange, they'll naturally get liquidity because if there's higher trading volumes, because there's more demand for using it, um, then liquidity providers will naturally you know, come in to like earn those ex- earn that extra revenue. But secondly, you know, your actual users for the very first time are getting tokens. So if I'm a user of this AMM, I'm now getting tokens, right? Unlike in the previous example with liquidity mining, where a lot of times it's mercenary capital or it's protocols that are plugging in that have nothing to do with the you know the success of the AMM and so on. So the idea is that we can then go to protocols and say, hey, look, we've built an interesting token distribution model. Would you like to distribute your tokens to your actual users when they use you know, fluid assets through your protocol? And we're actually getting interest for this, right? So you know, there's protocols that are kind of stuck in the sense that you know, they can't compete with Uniswap as the leading AMM, but, and they have no way of like, differentiating themselves in the saturated market. So if they're looking for more user order flow, they can now essentially incentivize that user order flow by you know offering their rewards like this, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, and you mentioned uh, that the initial liquidity will be bootstrapped. Uh, do you do you already have an idea what is uh, the starting liquidity? I'm not sure. We'll be using some of the funds that we've raised to bootstrap some of it, add some of it to the price pool um, to make make things going. But yeah, um, clear and thank you. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. So Shamir, what is the primary function of the governance token? Is it to make decisions around the lottery pools themselves? Is it to change frequency of payout? Talk us through that a little bit, if you would. Yeah, so there's two things happening here. Um, one is obviously, you know, changing and it's like, you know, dictating the parameters of the protocol. But the second thing we realized was very, very interesting. You know, we were looking at curve wars and, you know, the idea of curve wars and why protocols are paying so much in bribes to the, you know, convex token holders, essentially in effect the curve token holders to vote for them in particular ways, right? Now, the curve wars is an interesting idea because, you know, if we dictate curve APYs uh, or higher emissions for the curve token, then you know protocols can get liquidity and improve liquidity and this is extremely valuable to them right so i i went to thinking well okay if you think about it curve wars has a very limited i guess scope in comparison to the wider crypto space even though it's such a big idea right you know the outcome of the curve wars doesn't affect uniswap creating volumes it necessarily doesn't even affect uniswap liquidity it doesn't affect OpenSea, it doesn't affect anything else other than just the, the liquidity of a few stable coins that participate. Yet it's such a valuable, you know, idea or, or system. So imagine if you could, through our system, change the probability of payouts, right? Be through governance. So imagine if we said this, right? You have two AMMs, Uniswap or SushiSwap. And if you chose to swap on fl your fluid asset on SushiSwap instead of Uniswap, you have a double chance of winning the million dollars, right? So if I'm a rational user and I'm thinking, or if, even if I'm an algorithm and I know this, I'm thinking, wait a second, why would I trade on Uniswap when I have a double chance of getting a million dollars if I trade on SushiSwap instead, right? And given the fact that for most trades, you're gonna get almost the same quote for most you know, pairs, especially the larger, like you know, the more popular ones, there's in effect no difference trading between the two. So in those scenarios, what we're thinking is that if user order flow, enough of it is incentivized to stop using Uniswap and then hop onto SushiSwap or whatever AMM that has better probability, this could actually open a very interesting dynamic of, you know, what we call the fluidity wars that could potentially come, because for the very first time, user or protocols have an existential crisis because their order flow or their customer flow is now being outbid by other protocols that are essentially, you know, incentive incentivizing this order flow, you know, through either modifying our governance or playing a part in our governance or through their, you know, participating in utility mining. That's, that is very interesting. So do you see a potential secondary market for your governance tokens, or is there anything on the horizon and along those lines? Um, what do you mean by like a second, 
secondary market. So like. when we talk about curve and convex, what, what goes through my mind are, you know, are, are the potential of individuals either aggregating governance tokens or trading them potentially to leverage them to essentially run the bribe system. And the other thing that that's spinning in my mind is if I want to be able to potentially influence how these pool decisions are made or, or frequencies getting a hold of governance tokens is going to be in my best interest. So is there, do you see a future scenario where individuals may buy and sell the governance tokens on their own? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do see that. And I also see a scenario where, you know, like very similar to curve, it's in the best interest for a lot of DAOs to actually, you know, participate and have influence in, in, in governance, but it's not just, you know, the stakes aren't just like the liquidity of a few select stable coins, but the stakes are the, you know, the existentialness of the entire protocol. Because if let's say, you know, there's so much of an incentive to not use Uniswap any longer, the fact is that, you know, the, the rationale for using Uniswap is no longer as much as, you know, the incentive provided for not using it. Because if you think about it, you know, liquidity mining is, is interesting because when, when, when higher APYs have been offered from other protocols, people, you know, provide liquidity, but essentially it's just a, you know, a reward for the risk that you're taking, but there's never been any sort of reward for risk of order flow or for using protocols. So by default, many people would just use the least risky protocol or the, you know, the one with the highest reputation, i.e. Uniswap. So essentially this kind of also acts as a way of subsidizing risk from, you know, the a bit higher riskier protocols that don't have that reputation, um, you know, that Uniswap may have or some of the other like leading, you know, protocols within their categories may have. So that's also something interesting, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, the, what we think about is that, you know, of course, probably there will be, you know, markets of like, things like convex or cartels being formed to basically, you know, have influence. And we thought about this whole cartel narrative as well, like how cartels could come in a system like this. Potentially it could be like, let's say three DEXs that, you know, you know, accumulate so many tokens that they keep voting themselves in, uh, that they keep voting themselves in as the largest, you know, uh, or the winners all the time. That could happen. So we're thinking about ways to limit that as well. But the idea is that if this plays out in the way that we think it might, this could have a much bigger impact in the crypto ecosystem than any other sort of primitive or product that might have been created. Because if users don't use exchanges that don't win these votes, then those exchanges could lose out on user order flow and, and everything. Shamir, I see on your website that you have two fluid assets, DAI and um, USDC. Yeah, uh, on the on the testnet, yeah. On the testnet, yeah. Is this what you're planning to launch with or, or are you considering other other fluid assets? Um, yeah, we, we definitely are considering other ones. We've integrated FRAX, uh, USDT, um, but, and, you know, obviously looking at others, even being them as well. Uh, and and will all fluid assets share the pool prize or would each fluid asset have its own, you know? So each fluid asset has its own pool. Because the thing is that when you deposit, let's say, USDC, you get paid in USDC 
on the money market itself. So, you know, there's no, I guess, cross-contamination risk that, you know, if you're using fluid USDC, you don't want to get Tether because if you don't like Tether, for example, and vice versa. So if we, if we were to talk about a fluid bean then, um, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with Beanstalk. So Bean is, is the stable coin uh, issued by Beanstalk, and then the silo is basically where bean holders can stake uh, or deposit their beans and then earn, uh, earn uh, bean seniorage. So a fluid bean would be uh, one that a user would deposit uh, a bean to uh, to uh, fluidity, and then fluidity would deposit it in the silo, and then it would issue a fluid bean, and then users who use that fluid bean might win whatever seniorage or yield that is issued by the bean that's in the silo. Uh, am I capturing all of yeah, this correctly? That, and, and that's how it would work. And the idea is that those users are now incentivized to use bean, essentially, because do fluid bean. Got it. So is it, is it a scenario? Is there a scenario where, like, I could take bean and I could put it through the fluidity system, end up with fluid bean, and then sounds like you, I could either obviously use that for transactions or could I potentially put that back in the silo mod? Is that where you're getting at? Is, is... No, you won't be able to deposit the fluid bean because gotcha. that's not whitelisted. So what, what you will do is you will, you will use that fluid bean as a currency. Uh, and of course, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, uh, Shamir. And as you use it, uh, who, someone from those who's, who are using uh, you know, fluid beans Will will win the prize of you know the seniorage uh, that's by the silo. So you won't earn your normal seniorage, but you might win a chance to win more than what you would usually otherwise have. Uh, yeah, and and the thing is, like, let's say you were using Bean to pay for something, right? Normally, let's say just Bean itself, right? You wouldn't get anything extra per se, right? So the idea is that the people that use Fluid Bean, they're earning for using it, and and if it's in their best interest to use it then they're pushing to use it in all their day-to-day things, like even payments or just trading it or even like buying NFTs even like in in those cases as well. I think this brings us back to uh, um, the comparison of of pool together, uh, which is like, uh, you know, many people can deposit in the silo and then one person will win that yield. Uh, But in the case with fluidity, it's who uses it. Exactly. And also, if you think about the pool together case, right, and this is very a significant difference in pool together, the reason why we feel it may not have taken off is there's just too much opportunity cost. You know, you could potentially put your money in and get nothing for a very, very long time. Or you could, you know, farm like this week's Shiba Inu Ponzi coin for 3000%, you know, APYs, right? So that opportunity cost, I think, is one of the reasons why, you know, that didn't work out too well. Whereas in fluidity, if you really, really think about it, there's no opportunity cost because as soon as you get fluid, whatever, you can spend it. And and your incentive is to spend it. So in, in a sense, it's a little bit like a hot potato because as soon as someone gets it, their best interest is to spend it. Whereas in other cases, their best interest is to hold on to it like any other staked form of asset. So yep. that's a differentiating factor of like how people are thinking about fluid assets in general. And, and just to confirm, um, holding the fluid asset doesn't add to any of your chances of winning. It's purely about how fa- how often you spend it. So in terms of holding, we're coming up with a part of the algorithm where DAOs, et cetera, could hold on to it and improve the, the payout 
of their protocol. So for example, let's say if Sushi Dao or, or Sushi's treasury or Uniswap's treasury is holding on to a bunch of fluid assets just for as a diversification and essentially providing liquidity in a sense to fluidity, their protocol users will actually get a higher probability of winning just ever so slightly. So this might be an in interesting initiative for protocols to take to like improve the chances for their users to win something and by providing liquidity to fluidity. So in those cases, yes, but for, for most cases where it's a small amount, your best interest is to actually go ahead and spend it. Um, whereas in, in other cases, your best interest is to hold on to it, like staked, staked assets or, or any form of other yield bearing asset. Yeah, it's interesting. Um... See now, I appreciate you, you guys walking me through this, this idea of this, you know, Beanstalk fluidity interaction. And what what it says to me is that you know if I've got if I've got beans, if I am if I'm holding them, the best place for me to hold them is in the silo because they can achieve passive yield. If I'm spending them, sounds like the best option or a really good option would be to go through fluidity and wrap them and then spend them because then in the transaction itself, I've got the opportunity, you know, to potentially receive a reward. Yeah. And, and this reward could be a life changing amount, sure. I think. And that's why it's so fascinating because if your intention is to spend bean or any other currency and you get more of it, you know, at, to the point where you might, you know, improve your financial outcomes by doing nothing extra. I think that's such a fascinating idea that we've enabled and in a very general purpose way, right? So eventually the idea is that you could use it on practically any protocol because it's a regular token in standard ERC 20 or whatever chain it's on. So there's no complex integrations required from uh, counterparties either. So. So Shamir, when can we expect uh, you guys to go live? Well, hopefully starting next month, but towards the end of it, you know, um, if all things go well. Nice, nice. Well, we definitely keep an eye on, and and we'll look, uh, we'll look to that. Awesome, yeah. And we'd love to do things with Beanstalk as well. Um, that could be another discussion as well we can have later. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's so... Mod, you just mentioned that idea of of the whitelist and and Shamir, as you were talking about that idea of um, you know working with with other DAOs or other groups. It's it's hard not to think, man. I feel like there might be an opportunity there somehow. You know, for if their assets being held, that silo is a pretty pretty enticing option for for holding assets. In the meantime, you know, between transactions. Um, that's yeah. It just seems like it seems like we're finally in a space where there are a lot of really good ideas that are starting to potentially mesh together. You're seeing those use cases intertwine a little bit more, and uh, it's, it's it's an exciting future. So, so Shamir, take me through this here. Um, f for us to have a fluid beam, and for there to be a chance for someone who uses a fluid beam uh, for transaction to win something, there needs to be some beans that are already, you know, deposited in the silo, correct? Uh, and uh, sorry, deposited with fluidity and fluidity are, are then depositing in the silo. Is that correct? My, my question is, how would, will you attract the initial uh, bean liquidity that you're going to get the pot price from? 
So I guess to answer your question, I'd like to, you know, propose the idea where people in the beanstalk community or whatever community, they'd be in their best interest to actually earn bean, you know, for using their bean. Now, the idea is for them is that the way they do it is that, you know, they, they could help bootstrap these pools. And, and our goal is to be working with the communities and educating them about, okay, how they could benefit from this. Um, and, and yeah, and what Fluidity could be doing as well is, you know, we can help, like we could put some of our funds towards, you know, just starting a pool prize going as well, just so it promotes or nudges the initial community. But, but the idea here is that, you know, once like hopefully the Beanstalk community or whatever community sees enough value there that, hey, wait a second, I could just mint fluid bean and use it because I was going to buy something else. And in exchange, I will potentially earn yield. And hopefully this, you know, creates those feedback loops that grow it to a decent size enough that it's actually pretty interesting to use it. For some other protocols, we can be working with the utility mining side of it, where product where users might be thinking, "I like this protocol. I want more exposure in their tokens. I'll be using it. So hence, I'll you know mint more fluid or version of their token to get more tokens." So yeah, I mean, it is you know the chicken or the egg sometimes, but I think like you know working closely with protocols in their communities and making them understand like potentially some ways they can accrue value from a system like this could be enough for to get some people interested and like start it into growing growing this yeah got it so shamir we've just got a few minutes left i want to want to kind of hand the mic over to you i mean you have any closing thoughts anything you'd like to share you know with our listeners <laughs> well I, I would like you know make people ponder the idea of of what you know m- such a primitive, you know, existing could mean in the implications of how they start thinking about, you know, spending cryptocurrencies or just utility in general. Because, you know, we talked a lot about DeFi use cases and and like, you know, DEXs, AMMs and stable coins. But if you really think about it, if, you know, if all your transactions or all forms of money transfer or value transfer was yield bearing, this also implies things like, you know, NFTs, right? So if I purchase an NFT with a fluid asset, me and the counterparty are exposed to yield opportunities for that action. Um, you know, if I obviously buy or sell something, but even if I play a game, right? So if in some games when you're buying and selling in-game items or, or whatever within the game, those all transactions could also be, you know, yield bearing through fluid assets. And eventually, you know, what we want to do is start, you know, changing perceptions about what money could be in terms of when people think about spending it. Because right now, when you think about spending money, most people have kind of like a negative association with it, like, crap, I'm going to lose money. But who knows that maybe, you know, this idea really like, grows potentially you know there will be a group of people for the very first time that i think hey wait a second spending money reward rewards me and it's just the behavior of money that money itself rewards you for using it and and yeah i mean it seems like a very broad idea or a thought but i think it's it's so interesting because once you start thinking of 
such implications of a, of a primitive, it can go endless. So a lot of times what we think will happen is, is people won't even know it, but they'll be interacting with the fluid acid, some part of middleware. So I'll give you the example of an aggregator, right? And the aggregators, the way they work is that they find the best route possible with the highest expected outcome for whatever trade route you want to do. But, you know, as part of their route construction, they could also integrate a fluid acid. Let's say you want USDC and you want ETH in, in, in the end, you could do go from USDC to ETH. But imagine if aggregators realize that way, USDC to fluid USDC to, flu, to ETH could potentially provide you a better route because you're going, you're, that interaction with that fluid asset could mean a price amount. And on average, the payout is higher than not doing it and people won't even know it but they're earning yield for for those type of interactions right and and it's middleware um one thing that we 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 were discussing with you know like early conversations with even like options protocols is that when people deposit into their vaults so they could also be using fluid assets and the option protocol would be getting the you know the stable coin of choice but just because they deposited a fluid asset in that options protocol, they actually now have a chance of winning. Things like gambling as well. Like, you know, you can double dip on making, every time you make a bet, if you make a bet using a fluid asset, you could potentially win a prize just for making that bet, you know? So things like that could be very, very interesting and like implications of, of it could be endless. Um, you know, so if anybody listening to this or even you guys, you know, have any idea of, or any interesting thing that you want us to explore we're all ears and, and yeah and i think it's an interesting or very exciting frontier that we're you know digging at shushmat it sounds like they should be talking to the root crew you know mr manifold and 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 company because that is a the that idea of you know nested opportunity let's say is that's really fascinating We'll definitely pass uh, the message and, and they'll also listen to the podcast. That's perfect. Well, Shmir, um, thank you so much for for joining us this morning where you are, this evening where where we are. We appreciate your time. Yeah, of course, guys. I appreciate you hearing us out. Thank you, Shamir, and wish you all the best uh, with, with, with the launch next month, hopefully. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. And Mod, thank you, as always, for joining. Pleasure is mine. You can find Shamir on Twitter at ShamirX, that's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-R-X, and Fluidity on Twitter at Fluidity Money. And you can also find Fluidity on the web at Fluidity.Money. The Bean Pod is a production of Beanstalk Farms, a decentralized autonomous organization. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Medium, Discord, and our home on the web at bean.money. You can also find me on Twitter at RexTheBean. And as a final reminder, this podcast is not financial advice. Thanks again for listening.